Hey everyone and welcome to the Darkcast. This is DCI number 65 and I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. In this episode, Tyler Dodd joins Brian and I as we talk about his game Triggerfish Drill Sergeant. Triggerfish is a puzzle game in which you try to make different formations uh, with fish in you know a certain number of, of moves and steps. Uh, it's really weird. Uh, it's also really interesting, and we had a great conversation talking with Tyler, and we hope you enjoy the episode. If you want to find out more information about Triggerfish, then you can head over to darkstation.com. There on the show notes to this episode, you can see links to the, the online demo, you can see videos, you can see Twitter, Facebook, all that kind of great stuff right there in one place. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at darkstation underscore com. There you can see when all of our news reviews and features are going up, and uh, if you want to subscribe to us we're on itunes we're the dark cast while you're there give us a review and let us know what you think of the show and finally if you want to send us an email you can do that at podcast at darkstation.com as always thank you for listening now on with the show I'm doing very well, thanks. Fantastic, fantastic. We've got two Tylers, and Tylers being used for different parts of the name here. That's right. This is is (laughs) weird. Uh, Brian Tyler, my co-host, and Tyler Dodds, uh, our guest. Um, But uh, anyway, enough of random things like that. Um, You are making a game. You are making Triggerfish Drill Sergeant. Before we get into talking about that, though, uh, because we're, we're definitely going to have to break apart that name, because that's, that's all kinds of crazy right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of how you got into to making video games. Well, my background is actually in physics, and so up until about a year ago, I was working on my PhD, and I finished at around this time last year, actually, and... At that point, I was deciding if I wanted to go forward into academia and take a postdoc. And I was going along that route, but then I ended up a little bit burnt out and decided not to do that. And deciding to make a game was something that just sort of popped up in my spare time as something just to see if I could do it. And uh, I think what happened is it just ended up morphing into a full actual real game over time as I realized that you know, I can actually finish this thing. Very cool. So you've been working on it for about a year then? Yeah, about eight months. For the first few months, I was just kind of taking a little easy, exploring a few options. But then 2014 proper is when I decided, you know what, mm. this is this is going to be a real thing. And so The year of the fish? The, the year of the fish, exactly. year of the fish, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so how do you kind of decide to, well, I'm just going to make a game in my spare time and we'll just see kind of how that goes. Um, and then, or, you know, kind of noodle with, with designing a game. Like, where where does that start? Um, that that seems like a, a big first step, especially when your background's in um, physics, which like, the, the the life plan there doesn't seem to 
you know, be very traditional. How, how do you go, how do you do that? Like that's what, what was kind of your thought process behind all of, all of that? Well, the thought process as the time was, um, I was spending half my time exploring different options mm. for careers like quantitative finance is one that physicists will often go into if they don't pursue a- academia, management okay, wait, consulting. Wait, wait. You lost me. What, what is quantitative finance? <laughs> Quantitative finance is basically, um, if you heard of derivatives, it's the study of derivatives and and how do we model the price of uh, derivatives of stocks over time. So so I started looking into that, just opened up a textbook and and went through that. Um, And at the same time, I was exploring the options of making the gain because I'd um, been hearing over the past few years of how easy it was actually to get started making games, all the tools that now existed to, to, to do it. So I just started poking around making a game and uh, part of it was as an exercise of fun, part of it was just to improve my programming skills okay. um, compared to what I used in physics was fairly straightforward programming compared to the type that you need to make a full application. Okay. That's awesome, and I uh, actually one of my favorite authors. Uh, I don't know if it was physics. I think it was chemistry. He actually got his bachelor's in like algebra, and then his master's in chemistry, and then decided to become an author. So I am totally behind, completely just life changing decisions like this. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so that that sounds awesome. Uh, a lot of math for me. At, uh, I, I got my degree in writing, so numbers after, like, algebra, I, I'm not a fan of. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that that is really awesome. So uh, how did you kind of arrive at Triggerfish Drill Sergeant then? Well, the prototype that I decided to make was sort of a very abstract puzzle game, and... Going from that to Trigger for Drill Sergeant was me trying to take the mechanics I had made and make sure there was a theme that could try to help people understand the mechanics that I'd implemented mm-hmm. in my game. And it was a bit of a struggle because I, I chose a mechanic with a particularly different type of basic input, even so it, it wasn't even like a platform game with um, some different rules, uh, you can make a lot of interesting puzzle games out of that. But the the core way that people interact with the game is still with the standard platforming controls. With Trigger Fist Drill Sergeant, it was very different. So I had to think of a theme that would try to represent what was going on in the game. And in order to do that, I had to have something that was a little bit familiar but not too familiar so the military theme and the parade grounds and all the drills that were happening that was very useful but at the same time I didn't want it to be too um, didn't want it to remind players too much of real life because then it would just be a little bit incongruent Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's where I decided to go in with the trigger fish it could have been a whole bunch of sort of any other different type of you know non-human uh, sort of military structure, but that's where that really came from. 
Interesting. So what for people that don't know, what is Triggerfish Drill Sergeant? So Triggerfish Drill Sergeant is a puzzle game where you're recruiting troops through these barracks that are uh, arranged on the parade grounds, and you'll have each barracks recruit a particular troop at a time later on in the drill. The goal of the game is to match a particular configuration of troops on the parade grounds, and you've got a whole bunch of different types of fish and different um, obstacles on your parade grounds, and they'll all interact in various ways, um, and you'll have to master all of those in order to make sure that you can get the proper drill formation at the end of the drill. Now, you've got a lot of things going on here. We've got Mm -hmm. drills and fish. How did we get here? (laughs) Where... what, how are the do the fish? Uh, is this like a normal thing for them to form an army? Um, are these just <laughs> militarized fish? What's what's going on here? That's that's bringing this stuff together. I, I like to think of this as an alternate universe where trigger fish are somehow gained enough intelligence to form some sort of army, and we're we're still trying to understand the extents of this army, um, but. We can only get an understanding of the sort of training process through these drills from this game, and the rest is sort of left to the imagination. Are they? Are they? Is this uh, an army formed for their own defense, or do they have like this manifest destiny thing going on where we're going to be expecting triggerfish in our backyard, and our, the next Call of Duty is going to be Call of Duty triggerfish? Well, <laughs> as sort of a lowly sergeant, you're just there to. Make sure the drills work. You're just on keeping time. the order. You're keeping these guys in line. You're just keeping the order, and you know what? You don't really know if it's an offensive war or a defensive war. What's actually going on? You get a glimpse in in um, some of the later challenges um, where you actually go off to war and have a, a few skirmishes, but it's still a little unclear as to what the final goal of this war actually is. Okay, so ours is not to question why, ours is just to do and die. All right, okay, I can get behind that. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I, I would like to point out that I don't think it's that far of a stretch for uh, fish to make an army. I mean, they do already have schools in our <laughs> universe. So in an alternate universe, the next step would be... An army you know, is the next step? Yeah, pretty much. An organized military of fish. That I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Like, when I first read the... Uh, the kind of synopsis. I was like, "Wow, this person made made a game out of like a boot camp." I wonder if they had a bad experience at the boot camp. And then I opened up, like I didn't I didn't put together the fish or the angler team games. Like I didn't get that until I actually opened up the page and was like, "Oh my god, these are fish!" <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'd actually seriously consider doing it with a regular army, but I just had no idea how to make it actually work with what actually goes on in, a, in, in an army. So I, I thought I had to do something a little different there. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it'd be kind of weird if, you know, when you're moving around people, you are told that, you know, they can only move in, in one direction or, um, you know, they get generated out of a, a, a barracks little block or, or something like that. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you have to move only in so many turns like you have to get to this formation but when you've got fish you kind of already expect there to be some oddities about them so I, I feel like it makes it easier to 
except those other rules like the uh, the wave count or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's a when it's a fish, because of course fish are going to do that. I mean, yeah, you know, of fish. course, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, the game is currently up on green light, um, yes. and uh, we. We actually haven't talked to anybody on Greenlight in a while. Uh, for a while, like right after it launched, we had a ton of people. Um, but how has that experience kind of been for you? I mean, Greenlight's kind of been here for a while now. They've been working out some of the kinks. Uh, how's it been working with uh, with Valve and kind of trying to drill up, uh, no pun intended, uh, excitement for the game on, on Steam? It's been good. I think... Um... It's definitely a good way to get a lot of views uh, for your game, especially when it goes up on Greenlight in those first few days, you'll get a lot of views, um, especially as a very small studio that doesn't really have a lot of exposure. That was great to really get a lot of people looking at my game. So that was a definite plus. Mm -hmm. The downside is that I I think you get a, a lot of very brief exposure to each individual viewer and um, you really need to make a huge impact right at the start when they see your page and it has to be immediately something that pops out as them as yes I understand what this is and I want it and I think Greenlight has been for me a little bit slow because it takes a little bit of time for someone to understand what is this game because it doesn't have a sort of direct analog that I can point to or that or some sort of framework in that that I can put in people's mind very quickly as to what to expect from a game called Triggerfish Drill Sergeant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean the the genre of, of puzzle is a very large and ambiguous thing. You know you're going to be solving some sort of puzzle, but mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have any other uh, kind of direct corollaries there. So I can imagine yes. that being... Uh, that being different when you're trying to make something actually different from everything else. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was my goal, was to make something different. But again, you have, you have to balance that with making something that people can sort of easily understand and pick up quickly what it is you're trying to do. Um, because there's just so much choice out there and you need to make an impact very quickly so you need to be able to explain yourself even more quickly. Um, so there's definitely a balancing act between you know, trying to make something new and, and unique and, and making it something that people can relate to. Very cool. So I imagine one of the, the big difficulties with making a, a puzzle game is kind of riding that line of it not being too difficult and it not being too easy. Because yes. if, if they're too easy, then you just feel like the the puzzle game is wasting your time because it doesn't respect you being an intelligent being. And if it's too hard, then it's frustrating and you, you give up really quickly. How's it been trying to... Because, I mean, each, each level is its own kind of unique puzzle and poses its own problem to the, the player. What has it been like trying to ride that line? It's been a little difficult, I think one thing I've tried to do is unlock basically what are challenge levels um, about halfway into the game. But once you've gone through the introductory and the meet meet and the 
intermediate levels, you'll unlock the ability to go straight to the challenge level. So if you feel like, you know what, this is pretty easy. I just want something that's I can really dig my teeth into mm -hmm. and it's going to be really challenging, you can just sort of skip right to there. Um, otherwise, I, I have, you know, had to go back and forth and make sure that the difficulty curve of the main campaign stays pretty well focused and also to let people skip the levels if they really want to. Hmm. Um, how do you how do you test something like that? Like was your you know when you come in with your initial design for a puzzle, do you just kind of hand it off to friends and go, "Hey, listen, these are the constraints. How long does it take you to do this? Do you feel upset? Do you feel you know? Does it is it too easy? Is it too hard? And do you kind of adjust off of there? Do you have kind of your own kind of internal barometer about how hard something's going to be? I have a little bit of an internal barometer. I've had some friends to help me play test. Some of them are quite good at puzzle games and one in particular just blew through the first two-thirds of the game like it was nothing um, and then started to get a little bit of challenge later so that was good and then others um, were a little bit uh, took a little bit more time so I just kind of have to estimate based on watching them play and how they think about things what is an appropriate level of difficulty and it's interesting because different people will try to solve the puzzles in, in different ways. You'll have some people who will try to, if it's possible, analytically deduce what the solution must be. And this is what happens when you get other physicists to play test your game. Um, and on, on the other hand, you can have people who will just do the more standard trial and error, um, try something that might work, see how it plays out, and then adjust from there. Sounds fair enough. Yeah, I definitely said like how. So, how many iterations do you think you've gone through so far? Just because this, uh, like, we, we don't really get the option. Uh, we're not option, but you know, the chance to talk to somebody designing kind of not only a puzzle game from scratch, but just uh, a puzzle game that's that's you know kind of an odd duck, mm -hmm. especially with the fish and the way they're moving and the their different properties. So I mean, it's not like it's any different, or, or it's not like it's anything too far removed from you know like reality itself as far as not like that reality but like puzzle game reality but like how you know like what was you you, you explained I don't know where I'm going with this uh, <laughs> yeah that that okay yeah <laughs> I, that how train many... derailed somewhere along fish I don't know the amount of iteration actually for me wasn't too much I, I found that a lot of the times I could reorder the levels a little bit or just outright change some of the levels that were sort of a, a bit of a bump or a dip in the difficulty curve and for most of the levels I had some sort of idea of what kind of lesson I want the the player to to take away from from the level or what skill it's 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 testing them on. So it's all about making sure that the players sort of pick up that skill or that lesson, um, and then just working around from there. I found the amount of iteration actually surprisingly low, and I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But 
is it something it, in the same way that like a uh, a writer would kind of plan out a, a story for a game and like storyboards and kind of had the you know an idea of what's going on the whole time did you have like a set plan as far as like all right these levels are going to teach this skill well it would be a little bit of that um for some of the levels and then other ones i would just kind of start to construct them and then realize hey if i construct my playgrounds like this then this is sort of the lesson that comes out of it hmm. and once you do that and then you kind of exhaust a bunch of all the sort of unique lessons that you can get then you you just play around with your levels from there so it was a little bit of a mix of both um planning what i wanted from the level at the start was definitely a lot more difficult because you you're working backwards and hoping that everything can fit together starting with just making a level and, and seeing what happens was also i i found a very interesting way to, to to make a level because you can come up with try something and it just doesn't work and then okay you, you try the next thing and you realize hey this is really useful thing f for the players to to play through and then there's your level That's really neat. It's yeah. it's kind of hard to to think about from the the player's perspective of like how you actually uh, make a level, but kind of that overarching uh, idea and moving bits and pieces around to fit your you know what does a, a player need to learn and I, it kind of makes sense though because even from a, a writing perspective, sometimes. Um, you know, you've not necessarily like a plot hole, but you've got an area that you need to fill. And just as you work on a particular section of even like a review, you realize that, oh, this fits perfectly there. Uh, mm -hmm. And it kind of makes sense that it would work the same way with designing levels. <laughs> just never really thought about it that way. Yeah. And I found actually one of the sort of laziest slash easiest ways to, to make a level is just open up my level editor, play around with some things, place a few fish, and if I come up with something interesting, as in here's um, a particular pattern or grouping that I want players to come up with, and then I just take some of the fish lists that I started off with and sort of get rid of them and make sure make the players have to insert them appropriately from the barracks, then there's a level. So when that happens is great because you just start off with some interesting scenario and then um, just remove those extra little bits of information and make the player fill them in and depending on what bits you remove you can make it easier or harder and you get a lot of flexibility from there yeah very cool very cool so um, do, do each of the fish have different properties on, on how they move, kind of getting back into the, you know, the, the way the game plays and everything? Um, I, I know that, you know, kind of uh, playing through the game a, a little bit on your, your website, you've got the demo there. Um, and we'll have a link to that in the, the show notes. But, um, you know, certain uh, 
you know, you need to get fish in certain positions facing certain mm-hmm. ways. It needs to be a certain color sometimes that it's is going to be there. Um, but I, I didn't play far enough to find out if, you know, do fish have different properties? Does one fish move two spaces uh, when you kind of do a turn? Like, how does, how does all that kind of stuff work? Um, absolutely. I've got six different types of fish, and uh, some of them just move in the standard way, but then when they hit each other and they're both trying to go into the same space, then sometimes one wins over the other. I've got some fish that just don't move at all and require other fish to push them along. Hmm. Um, some fish will only move forward when the space is going to be free so that, that they don't run into any other fish. Um, that's actually probably my my favorite one because it really changes the um, logic of every fish is always going to be moving forward mm-hmm. um, one tile per wave. So. Yeah, I've got a whole bunch of fish in there. I don't have one that that moves two tiles, but um, that would that's one obvious one that I was considering for a while. Um, do, do you have any night fish? Night fish? Yeah, no. like one up and or two up and one over, or one up and two over. <laughs> what, however, knights move in chess. <laughs> I feel like that could be a DLC pack. You know, yeah. So <laughs> six the, new fish that move in chess formations. <laughs> there's actually a whole whole lot of um, possibilities for adding a new fish, you know, weird stuff like like a night fish, um, ones that'll just slide all the way to the end of the prey grounds or, or something like that. Um, so that's that's definitely one thing I will like about being able to have a whole bunch of different fish is that there's the opportunity to add in something new. Definitely. Uh, now the game is is coming out on or you know it's on Greenlight like I said so it's it's obviously slated for PC. Mm-hmm. Um, have you thought about doing it on like iPad? Because as I was kind of playing, I was like, this kind of seems like it would make a lot of sense on uh, on a touch device. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't considered that yet. Um, there's a few technical challenges that I'd have to get through, but mm-hmm. nothing nothing too major. Um, I think definitely for for an iPad, I think it would be a, a good fit for a phone. The screen is a little small. Sure. And uh, um, especially when you get to some of the larger parade grounds, then I feel like scrolling or trying to scroll around the parade grounds and say everything would be a little bit much. But definitely for a, a tablet, I think it would be a pretty good fit and uh, something that I um, would like to consider in the future. Very cool. I I know that's kind of a, a big question for when you're making your first game. Like, hey, what platforms are coming to next? But uh, yeah, I I don't know. It's just something that that struck me. So mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. All right, Brian. Do you have uh? Do you have anything else before we go into the end game? Or no, I'm good. I think we can definitely go into the end game. Awesome. All right. So uh, we like to end our uh, our our interviews with a little bit of a questionnaire. Uh, inspired by uh, Inside the Actor Studio and their questionnaire, uh, ours is more game centered, uh, and it's more personal. So you know, don't feel that you got to answer for for angler team, as it mm-hmm. were. Um, first question. Uh, so, who is your fav- Who would you consider your favorite video game protagonist? Protagonist. Uh huh. Hmm. You know what? I'm gonna have to go back to my childhood and say Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay. Nice. 
because uh, you know of all the recent games I can't think of a protagonist that really jumps out at me and this is what happens when you play a lot of strategy and puzzle games um, <laughs> where you are really sort of the guiding hand of everything but because of that I'm just going to go back to Sonic that works for me uh, flipping that coin, um, who would be your favorite video game antagonist? Who's your favorite bad guy? Ooh, antagonist. Honestly, I can't think of one off the top of my head. Um, although, maybe I'll have to go with uh, Montezuma from the Civilization series. Mm. I always gave you problems? He's just way too aggressive and <laughs> nobody likes that nobody likes that That's, that is so true um, if you had to, to, to name uh, your least favorite um, trope or theme in video games today what would it be least favorite trope hmm. that is a tough one I would say this isn't a trope, but I guess there's a more of a general theme. Just any sort of thing where a video game doesn't really respect your time and doesn't give you a way to to skip through, let's say, a, a tutorial that is very slow or or, or, or something like that. Because you know, as my time for gaming shrinks drastically, I want to be able to get into the game and, and have an enjoyable experience and not have to and to spend my time thinking about things that are important and, and interesting and not about you know clicking through a, a tutorial that I don't enjoy mm -hmm. absolutely um, alright question number four and we, we ask everybody this um, what what's your, your favorite fish either real or fictional my favorite fish yes favorite fish it's going to have to be the reef trigger fish, which, by the way, is Alaska state fish, if I'm not oh. mistaken. It's colorful, and uh, what can I say? The power of its army is unparalleled. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so you went to school for something completely different, um, yes. and now you're making games. Uh, is, there, is there any other profession you'd like to try? You know, um, I think I w would enjoy teaching. Uh, I, I really enjoy it when um, I'm, I'm helping people to understand things that they didn't understand. And then when you see the light of, aha, I get it, um, that's a great feeling. So being able to be in a situation where I can help do that, that would be um, also something I would really enjoy. Very I like noble. that. Nice. That uh, the like aha, aha moment. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay. Uh. Let's see here. Uh, have you ever seen Escape from L.A.? No. Okay. That's all right. We won't hold it against you. Um. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it yeah. either. So. It... Little bit of spoilers, and I won't tell you how. But at the end of the movie, uh, the main character Snake Plissken. Uh, comes it comes to control uh, basically a remote for a group of government satellites that surround the globe uh, that will blast us with an EMP pulse and send us back to the Stone Age. Um, you get a message that says that that's going to happen tomorrow. Um, what game would you play tonight? 
What game would I play tonight? Yeah. Um. I would probably play Gone Home because I haven't played that yet, and I think that's the sort of game I'd want to check out if I only had one one day left to play. Neat okay. answer. Okay. Yeah. Not that's not bad at all. Uh, and having played it, uh, you know, it's a good game, and it's it's not that long, so you could a- you could actually fit other things into your night and, and actually get through that game. <laughs> Excellent. That's because I if I only had one day left before all the electronics was wiped out, I'd probably want to do something else other than only play a game. So yeah, that, well, that's you know. perfect. Yeah. That's <laughs> a uh, task. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, final question. Um, at the end of our lives, uh, when we come to the gate, the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom and Toad is there with the Book of Our Deeds, uh, what would you like him to say to you? Well done. Fair enough. Yep. Short, sweet, simple. Exactly. Gets the point across. I like it. That's it. You passed. It's the end of our questionnaire. <sighs> We've reached the That's end. Right. You, you did it. Thank you very much. Jonathan, take yes. us home. All right. Well... Thank you so much for joining us today, Tyler. Really enjoyed our talk. If you could just send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more information about Triggerfish Drill Sergeant. Sure thing. It's been uh, great to be on here. And if you want to find out more, go to www.anglerteamgames.com or just Google Triggerfish Drill Sergeant because it's such a weird name. It'll be right at the top there. <laughs> it is the first. That's always a good thing. That's always a good thing.